What's going on guys? Welcome back to another episode of Coffee and Van Chats. And on this episode, we sit down with one of the most controversial individuals in cycling, Dan Bigham. Dan Bigham has gone on to create one of the best team pursuit teams in the world to now helping newly crowned world champions of Denmark chase Olympic gold. Along with snagging a world title, Denmark has smashed the world record in the TP thanks to Dan's help. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. But first, let's hear a message from our sponsors. This episode is also brought to you by Beetroot Pro. I've actually been using this product way before it was ever even a sponsor of the podcast. And yeah, it's actually the first beetroot powder that I've found that mixes up well and doesn't taste like dirt. So it's a win-win for sure. Uh, you got to check it out. It's fast absorbent patented with NO3 nitrate technology, and it includes muscle building vegan BCAAs, magnesium, potassium, and vitamin B12. Like I said, I've been using this at World Cups all the way to now my quarantine campaign. So check it out at beetrootpro.com. Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee and Van Chats. I'm here with Dan Bigham, who's probably the world's most controversial track cyclist. And I don't know, he might end up being the world's most controversial cyclist by the end of our generation in our era. But yeah, he's ridden with teams, at his own teams, um, Hubwatt Bike, KGF, and probably created one of the fastest team pursuit teams in the world uh, on his own. And it's pretty epic, especially coming from a guy who tried to ride Team Pursuit and rode really, really slow behind those guys. Uh, it's, it was kind of cool to see them do it on their own. And we actually had team funding. So anyways, welcome to the show, Dan. Thank you for having me, John. Yeah, yeah. Good to be here. Uh, yeah, so let's dive into it just like right off the rip. Um, you know, you ran a team out of, out of what, Great Britain, right? You know, yep. out of the UK. And yeah, it was essentially four guys who didn't get a look from from gb so kind of give me a breakdown of like how all that started and where all that came from sure so original four was myself charlie tanfield the younger of the two tanfields uh jacob tipper and johnny whale but it literally started myself and charlie we were at derby velodrome back in late 2016 training towards january 2017 nationals just in the ip yeah, just see what we can do in the IP. And you're obviously halfway to a team pursuit squad. So the conversation came up maybe November time and started uh, looking around for a couple more riders. I dragged Johnny in. He was uh, looking for uni, which is right by Derby. And he'd done some pretty outrageous stuff at like the British University champs. So I knew he, he had gas and was like, don't worry, mate. You just do a long turn, eject, it's all good. Yeah. Um, so he was, he was in. And then uh, Tipper was the one I, I wanted. Like, it's track riders... I mean, they're common in the UK, but like not to a good level, I guess. There's not like a lot of, what well, is a good level anyway? That's a whole other question. But anyway, like Tipper was one of the guys who was like, he's raced track quite a bit. He's done pursuit in team and individual. Let's get him in. He was over in China doing a stage race. So he dropped him a WhatsApp and uh, he came back. He was like, no, not doing it. It's like, yeah, great, uh, mate. We're going to go and like medal. Definitely. It's happening. No, I'm not interested. <laughs> and they were like, oh what so like hounded him for two weeks and was on him and on and on it was like mate it'll be mint it's a great idea like we're gonna go up there we're gonna smash it up no one's gonna see it coming it's gonna be sick uh two weeks later changed his mind he was in uh we all came to derby it was like the first week of january so we had four weeks um just yeah two sessions a week we lived on johnny's uh hall floors so literally living in his kitchen and it had automatic lights so if anyone got up in the middle of the night to go to the toilet it wakes everyone else up so that was just a, bit <laughs> a nightmare um, but it got us by, right? We were all literally yeah. just fresh out of uni, like burnt loads of cash, overdrafts, 
and all the other stuff, credit cards, just to get through. But um, yeah, I went to nationals, won the IP, one, two, won the kilo, uh, and then we won the team suit and beat the national team. So it was pretty outrageous kind of first Yeah, that's, that's pretty <laughs> epic, man. I mean, what's funny is like, if that happened in the US, all of us would have, like, they would have just flipped us. Like if somebody came in and beat us at nationals, it was game over. Because we raced, we, every race we did, was performance-based. Like if, if you're not good here, then boom, you're done. Um, where it seems like with GB, it was just like, and these guys are great, right? You would say the same thing. They're good, whatever. Um, but if, you know, if they get beat, there was always an excuse for you guys of why you guys didn't get an opportunity, which just kind of, it was, it was very interesting to me. I mean, I remember hearing your podcast with Pod Crash and uh kind of listening to a bit of that and, and getting an idea and a feel on that. But that was interesting. So now, you know, with with the whole UCI coming out and making a claim that, you know, trade teams aren't welcome, I've also recently heard that there's a possibility they might come back. Uh, have you heard anything on that or what's your thoughts on that? Because I think I was listening to Tail Boss talk about it. Yeah, it changed last week. Last week, ended last week. Uh, they put out a load of updates and, yeah, basically they changed their mind. Trade teams are allowed back. There's a limitation on number of trade teams per nation, but you're allowed to basically do every race. Yeah. So you know, you'd know, like, um, if you're a trade team, you could only do any non-Olympic events if the national team had rocked up. So, like, we couldn't enter Madison or the Omnium or yeah. um, any of those kind of races. So uh, it kind of limited you to what you were doing, which is team pursuit. And if you wanted to, you could have a go at sprints. I mean, we never did, but maybe yeah. we should have done. Uh, but, yeah, they've, they've changed that back, and we can go and do everything. But we're in a bit of a bad situation now that, because of well, them deciding 12 months ago that that wasn't going to be the scenario and we've gone on as if that's not going to happen, then obviously you make plans. Like you've, you need to make plans in the future, whether you're going to ride on the road or do something different. Um, but now you're in the situation where they're like, okay, great. Um, the, uh, the entry deadline is five weeks time. So if you want to register a trade team, let us know. Jeez. It's like, well, what the hell? Like, yeah. How do you go about figuring that? Um, so yes, it's a bit of a headache, but, um, I mean, it's great personally, uh, and across the board, I think for the sport, it's, it's awesome. Like getting rid of trade teams is the stupidest thing they ever did. Um, yeah, so at least they've, they've realized their, their flaws and actually gone back and improved it, which is even better. Um, but it's just all a bit late in the day. So, um, we need to figure it out, but then who knows what the track season's like this winter and maybe we just have a, a year out of it and come back, who knows? Always yeah. Is. Yeah. Honestly, the coronavirus might actually help in the sense of like giving you guys <laughs> some time. Um, so yeah. And, and, and then after all that, you rock up to worlds and it was kind of secretive. I, I like how you guys do your things where it's just like, you make it way bigger of a secret than it needs to be like almost to a point <laughs> where it's like, you guys are like, just trying to put this big show on and it's great. Cause it's like, you rocked up to worlds with Denmark. Like how did that relationship <laughs> even start? And how many cold shoulders did you get from GB? Oh, uh, so the <laughs> yeah, man, it was such a fun few days, like some real fun memories of that time in Berlin um, for a number of reasons. Uh, so the relationship with, with Denmark, I mean, we've always had good relationship with them full stop since we started back in like 2017. They're just one of those, like, obviously you guys have always been like super keen and interested in what we do. The Danes were um the kiwis a little bit as well so you always like you get on well with certain nations and then some don't i mean like you'll know some nations just ignore you and just don't care who are you not yeah, interested yeah. It's, it's really weird um so i guess yeah you, you make friendships and then you end up chatting and yeah with one of them it was just a case of 
we got flicked by the UCI for the whole trade team stuff. So I started making plans. Uh, I dropped them a message and said, look, guys, like, you, you're going pretty outrageous. Um, I'm keen to help you out. We've learned a lot over the years. I think you could go even faster. Um, do you have a role? Like, even if it's like part-time or consultancy, whatever, I'm, I'm, I want to see you guys do well. Uh, so yeah, I had a couple of, sort of chats with them and, and flew over to Denmark and but yeah, we're keen. Uh, budget's not really all that big. It's like, yeah. don't worry, <laughs> I'm used to that. Uh, let's roll. Um, and it all kicked off properly in earnest actually Glasgow World Cup. The, the deal was from the moment that we don't race each other at World Cups, then I'm all in. So that was when they beat us in the rounds in Glasgow. They did like a 48 or something as they were doing every day. Yeah. Then. Um, yeah. So that, that's when it started and then went all the way through to Berlin and yeah, I made a bit of an impact with them, but I think on the whole, they were they're just an outrageous team doing really well and everything's starting to fall into place for them. And they've always been there or thereabouts in the Olympics, but they've never been GV or Australia level. And then to go to Berlin and just do what they did was, yeah, putting a marker down. Yeah. Well, I mean, hell like it, worlds this year was almost tipped over on their head on its head. Like it, like the top five, I mean, what Australian GB barely even saw the top five. I didn't think they were like, you know what I mean? So like you literally just took two of the best nations and they're, they're out of it. And I mean, there, there had to be a bit of panic. There had to be a sense of panic. And as you said before, with, with just the fact that, you know, Denmark was doing Denmark things before you came on. And then when you came on, it was just like, bam, just eking out little bits of time. So are you, are you being contracted to work for them for the Olympics as well? Or? Yeah, so my original contract was through to Tokyo 2020, uh, and they've extended it to Tokyo 2021. Um, That's awesome. Which, yeah, it's wicked. I mean, personally, I thought we were all ready for Tokyo <laughs> straight yeah. off the bat. I, I want to go now. Yeah. Um, so the, those 12 months, I, don't, I wouldn't say we didn't don't need them because you always use them, but like I think we were happy with where we were and we we're look, really looking forward to it. But um, yeah, we're, we're back to the drawing board on a few things and trying to do things better with another year in our hands. And uh yeah, they they're just a fun team to be with, and they just just really love it. They're really progressive. They're keen for new ideas, doing things a little bit differently, and yeah, just buying into the science, buying into the engineering and the maths, and just going for it. And uh, yeah, they they really they put a mark down. And like you're saying, just when you've got GB in Australia who are battling out for like GB weren't even like you say got into the medals finals. They were a 350 they're still broken 350 and i think there's eight nations now seven eight nations have gone under the, the 50 mark um so they're, they're a little bit way off right now i don't know quite what's happening on the inside um you obviously you hear stories of this is happening that's happening and to be honest not my problem they do what they want to do we'll yeah. rock up in tokyo and uh yeah fastest team wins okay and so was it was it an ego trip that they didn't slide into your inbox and be like hey man like how long's your contract or have they have they have they slid into your inbox already and been like hey what's going on no, no, no. nothing uh, it's a long oh, it's not actually it's not all that long um we'll give the the, the quick plot synopsis uh 2017-18 me and charlie trial after like breakthrough season with kjf yeah I don't fit the system. Charlie's been there before. He was there as a youth. They booted him off when he was like double national champion because he didn't fit. He's a Tanfield. He loves doing weird stuff. He's great. <laughs> um, so anyway, he knows how to play the system. I go in and I'm just like inquisitive me. I'm asking questions. Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? We thought about doing this. What about trying this differently? And it just doesn't fit in their system. You have to be a yes man. You turn up, you train, you go home, you don't ask questions. Um, so that didn't kind of didn't fit too well. And I got 
pretty annoyed by the whole system and the selection of like you can go as fast as you want you can have the fastest flying map the fastest kilo fastest ip and you're just not given the opportunities and i was like this, this is it's bullshit yeah. um and then yeah i didn't get selected for worlds for the team pursuit i was like why and then i went to the to comic games and didn't get a ride in the team pursuit there i was like well i'm kilo in as fast as the fastest kilo guy on the team i'm, I'm ip and more fast than all the gb guys other, other than charlie like why am i not getting a, a ride here it's just yeah it really pissed me off but um went on obviously to to then set up well who bought kjf became who bought bike and that went on and i think the relationship soured after that um, I just don't quite see eye to eye with with a few people within GB, um, which yeah is a bit frustrating in a way. I don't get the opportunities that probably I want or need or need as an athlete. Yeah, but um, so yeah, I've gone and found my own way to to go and achieve cool stuff, and obviously had some good results as a trade team, and then represented GB on the road in the team time trial with with John and Harry, and that's been pretty cool. And then obviously yeah, found my way with with Denmark and. It's good fun, and it's a shame, yeah, that I'm I'm not. I do enjoy being. I'm, I like I like Britain. I like representing my country, um, and I feel it's a bit of a shame to not be able to fly that flag, and that we've felt disowned or rejected by them for I don't know what reason. It's a bit, yeah, a bit frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, it's one of those things where, like I said, man, if which I mean, you I've heard the stories of the offers that you've gotten from other countries of just like, what will it take for you to just become Botswanian or whatever, you know, or whatever <laughs> nation has, has reached out to you. So what what has been the biggest offer that you've gotten from another from another nation? Well, I guess we've never taken it that far because it's yeah. always been a, it wouldn't work ahead of the Olympics. I mean, if you knew coronavirus, if you had like that crystal ball, like coronavirus is happening, you could probably wangle it. But because yeah. they didn't really come about until we had good successes who bought bikes the second year, but then you're within the Olympic qualification cycle. Yeah. So it's, and you, you, you know, you've been on the, the bad receiving end of that, that it, if you don't get enough points, it's game over. And imagine trying to get all those points in one season. It's just, yeah, not going to happen. Yeah. So it was one of those, like, it's really cool. It's really nice, but it's not going to happen for Tokyo. And I'm not hanging about for another four years on the track after that. I'm all in for this. And, Let's see where you go. So, um, yeah, there were some interesting ones. So we'll go with that. We have you have to have some questionable morals and ethics. <laughs> change, change nationality to some of the the nations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, uh, like I said, you know, I was listening to one of the pod crashes from uh, Shane Archibald. You know, because like yeah. I mean, not not Shane Archibald. John. Um, John. No, not John Archibald. Shane Perkins. I don't know where I'm mixing. Oh yeah, up. mixing yeah. them up. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, he went to Russia, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he went to Russia. But the story behind it, that actually did him justice. Like me hearing that story, like made a lot of sense. And if you haven't listened to that already, you've got to check that out. But there's like, it's actually a pretty decent story where it's like, I'll never have another opportunity. And I really want to go to the, the, the Olympics, you know, that my dad went to the Olympics in Tokyo. So I want to be at the Olympic Games where my dad, you know, so that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, so I'm looking at your background and I've heard these stories of the crazy houses that you live in just from Ashton. And that doesn't look like a house that has like six dudes in it. So are you guys not all living together right now? And what's going on? Uh, no, this one isn't. No. Um, so I guess, well, yeah, the end of the road was was Bolivia in, in May and then Corona happened and we had our house until, I think it yeah, was the end of May or end of June, something like that. Um, but the budget was not going to stretch for another six months of just a load of guys bumming about in a house through till whenever we end up going, going up to altitude. So unfortunately, yeah, we've had to go to the four winds and 
John's back in Glasgow. Kyle's in God knows where he lives, somewhere in like the Outer Hebrides. I don't even know. Um, and Will's down in Loughborough with his girlfriend. And Johnny's got a house in Manchester. So we're all kind of spread out a little bit at the moment. Um, but yeah, over the, the past few years, we've lived in an eclectic mix of locations. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, What's yeah, the, I mean... Because <laughs> there's like a story of like your house getting broken into, right? At one point, like before World Cup or something like that. What's that story? Yeah. Uh, three times, actually, we got broken into. Three in times? House. Three Jeez. times, yeah, I know. So the, the first one, it was just before our first World Cup, going to Poland. So we... Yeah, was it before Poland? Or was it Minsk? No, it was before Minsk. Oh, you get it right. Um, yes, yeah, so that would have been January 2018. Uh, we just come back from the track session. We bought all our track bikes back because we we're about to pack them all up and get on the road. Uh, I remember it really well what happened. I'd got a lift back with Tipper and Charlie had driven it back with Johnny. But instead of pulling into the drive, he blocked the drive off, which is like really random. So Tipper had to like park behind him. If he pulled into the drive, he would have scared all the, the robbers who were in the, the sheds. So they'd literally broken into the garage and we just pulling bikes, bikes, wheels, frames, anything that's in the garage straight out over the wall into the, the neighbor's garden. Then out that goes into like a public park. But because Charlie hadn't pulled into the drive and flooded all the garage up, no one saw it. So I would go walking into the house, la di da da And then all I hear is Tipper shouting, run. I'm like, why am I running? So I run out. It's like, we've been broken into. I was like, oh, balls. So we run around the house to get back into the garden of the neighbor in the park. And they, they were literally jumping over there, carrying like bike frames and everything. You're like, oh God. Um, they drop a load of the frames, but like Tipper's bike's gone, my bike's gone. Um, so that was anyway, the first break in, you're like, well, at least we've got our track bikes. We can go to the World Cup. That's all sound. Obviously went to Minsk. It was awesome. Won. Really good experience. Came back. Um, literally at the time, it's like 2am in the morning. I was on eBay in the, in the car, just like um, trying to find my, my Nick bike. I was like, it's going to come up on eBay. We're going to get it. And then uh, I thought I'd found it and was really like positive. Got back to the house. Back door had been kicked in. And like, oh, for fuck's sake. So like anyway, within, a, within a week? Within a week. We knew it away. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Whole house turned upside down. And yeah, I mean, actually nothing really got nicked as far as we could tell, which is really random. But I reckon yeah. they legit thought we were drug dealers. So I've got black Audi sits at the front, which is like classic, suppose, drug dealer car in the UK. And then they've <laughs> broken into the garage and seen, which is probably like a bit funny. But um, so I had three ultrasonic baths for cleaning chains and waxing chains, which oh, obviously man. look a bit dodgy with a load of dodgy chemicals. Loads of clear little Ziploc bags. And then Charlie's got like a two kilo bag of white powder because he'd been plaster casting his feet because he was making his own shoes oh so obviously God. you just break into the garage you're just like drug dealers They're drug yeah. dealers. <laughs> so he just must have broken in trying to <laughs> steal our stash or something who, uh, who knew you were the the bike racing drug dealer i mean i guess in theory with when it comes to extensions i mean i have a set i mean tail boss has tried out a set like ashton lambie i mean yeah it's like uh, everyone's like racing drug dealer <laughs> Wax, <laughs> waxing chains in the infield oh man yeah. Wow. yeah so that was the second one the third one was um we just got back from comedy games later that year and uh johnny had left his bike by the lounge window which was one of those like big glass doors uh and then like 5 a.m in the morning brick through the window and his bike got pulled out and gone game over that was yeah. that that wasn't too bad but um yeah so that meant we all lost a bike Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's, it's almost like you needed to be on the team, which is why Ashton probably wasn't fully on the team and he was a full trader. He never actually got his bike stolen from your house. 
He could have nicked it. I mean, he's, he's lost the bag <laughs> of clothing, actually. I still don't know where it is. So um, Ned, our manager, th- chucked it in the post and it got sent back because Ashton stashed a load of whiskey in it and then it yeah. got rejected by customs. And then since then, we've lost it. And he's lost like a load of stuff, I think. Well, I remember, <laughs> I remember him telling me a story about him getting some pockets put on his skin suit. And he like sent them over and he declared how much they were worth. And so when they saw how much they were worth, they were just like, oh, well, you owe us like three grand than in taxes to get these back over. And he was just like, well, I guess those skin suits are sitting in customs. Um, yeah, just to get the pockets done or whatever. Mad. Yeah, you've the got honest to be really Midwestern. Yeah, yeah, don't do that. Play the system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I have, my, I have my own. Like, I had to go pick up helmets in Minsk in customs. And I thought, I, I literally thought I was going to end up in a, like a prison camp or something. Like, it was insane. Uh, Belarus was or a wild time in its own right, just to get through things, much less, you know, picking up helmets and customs. Johnny got arrested there, actually. Really? And he still yeah, lives yeah. to tell the story. What did he do? <laughs> he jaywalked. <laughs> Literally, that was it. And so, so what did that turn into? Uh, coppers grabbed him, floored him, chucked him in the back of the car. He obviously doesn't speak a word of Belarusian, not a chance. He's just like, please, guys, I'm a cyclist, like swinging his medal. <laughs> and in the end, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, cyclist. Yeah, okay, you're, you're okay, you're allowed out. <laughs> but it was yeah. like cheap. That's that insane. Because like, that was like one of the things with me when I was dealing with them in customs. It was like they were almost aggravated that I didn't know Belarusian. Mm. But they knew English, like, and they weren't willing to speak it with me. And I was like, oh, okay, this isn't good. Um, Google Translate is your friend, literally on the yes. app the whole time. Yeah. So what's, what's the craziest Johnny story? Because I met Johnny, I guess I, guess I met him in Glasgow, because I guess that's when, at that point, that's when you guys, Ashton had already spent some time with you guys, so you guys were a little bit more comfortable coming and hanging out. But when I met Johnny, dude, he was 100 miles a minute. He would just say whatever was on his mind at that current moment in time, in the pit, half naked, just walking around, He's wild. So what's your craziest Johnny story besides the fact of him almost getting arrested in Belarus? That you can tell on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just think the guy is just batshit crazy. Uh, But in a good way. Like, I think it's just, it's good for morale that just weird, it just does weird stuff. Um, I think to get a handle on who he is as a person, everyone needs to go on our website and watch back the documentary from the first year. Yeah. And you, you, you see the personalities and, and just what he's like. I mean, it's silly things like when he broke his collarbone and because he was like doing mad starts and then came back, he was racing six weeks later and then he broke, he snapped his uh, ACL in the gym trying to do mad partial squats, like 420 kilos or something crazy. And just like, why are you doing this stuff? But um, it just, I guess, loves playing up to the crowd, uh, yeah. jumping into like, uh, VIP in every single World Cup, pissing off organisers, saying outrageous things in interviews that he probably shouldn't say. I mean, if you watch back London World Cup when we won, uh, live on the BBC, and like, I can't exactly remember what he was going to say. It was something about GB, and you're just like, as much as like we love poking fun at them, don't go on national television and like slate them. So he starts saying something, and all you see, because John's got his arm around him, he's chomping his hands, so he didn't get very much. You know full well he's sticking his foot in it. Yeah. Big stuff. Um, and it's just stuff like that. He just loves to be controversial. Uh, just say, say it how it is. Um, I got a lot of time for that. A lot of people who just um, 
yeah, toe the party line. It's boring. It's like be true to yourself and, and say it how it is and, and do what you want to do and enjoy it. And yeah, it doesn't mean walking around the pits and like, for example, at Derby, um, he, and this is a really random one. It, it nearly probably stopped us in our tracks uh, in like the early days. So uh, there's a rule that you have to have your top covered in track center. Oh you yeah, can't. he's never had his top covered. Yeah, since never had his top covered. Yeah, I know. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how this went. I think he'd had like a terrible track session. He just hadn't gone well for whatever reason. And I was chatting away with um, a guy who's basically head of the, the local council, the county council for like sport. So I was having a good chat, chat with him. And like some kids had come in with a teacher to do like a track session or something. But because kids are around, it's like top's got to be on. And the teacher sat, she, like shouted at Johnny like tops on the D um, and he just turned round and it was like F's and blinding of like you and fuck this and I was just like oh god what's he done he's just like gone in on some random <laughs> teacher with kids just like <laughs> with kids everywhere <laughs> uh, I know and I'm there with like the guy who controls whether we get like free access to the track or not I'm just like oh god this one's going to take some digging to get out of oh, um, and then after that what we what we went down the route of we all had pink mesh vest tops so it was like you got you had your top out you were, you were covered even though it was like nipples poking through and everything but it like it ticked <laughs> the box and we couldn't get shouted out again um i think harry still has that he uses it as a base layer. i don't think he's realized it was a bit of a joke but yeah that's, that's awesome yeah that's awesome so bolivia man you guys were gonna go shatter some world records and you probably were gonna do it like actually you were gonna do it um what what's happening with that is it still on the table is it still in the talks yeah it's a, it's obviously a weird one i guess with everybody like plans get frozen halted changed you don't really know how to plan um we were super lucky with the bolivians they all wanted cash in hand yeah. so <laughs> when it when corona struck it was kind of well as much as everything's booked we we still got the cash in the bank so we can can push it back and and sort of hold fire on it but the big unknown is is how we get everyone together and prepare as well as we had done. We'd done three altitude camps. I mean, we were up in Tenerife at altitude when the lockdown came in, in in Europe and that that really screwed us over. And I mean, getting out of lockdown itself was hard enough. And then you come back and you really realize that Bolivia is not going to happen in two weeks time because the whole world's going to be shut down. Um, so yeah, the budget's there. People are still keen. It's just when, how, all the organization that goes into it. I mean, we were pretty set. It'd been a lot of work of getting commissaires and anti-doping and timing and all the other logistical nightmares that go with putting an event on alongside trying to prepare to, to break a load of world records in itself isn't obviously easy yeah uh, so it was um i think we we're in a really good spot for it to happen there and then and then it's hard to get that momentum back uh which is why i'm kind of yeah hesitant to put a, a date on it as as it stands in bolivia it's not open available we can't go in uh, their quarantine zone is at the track so if, if you've, oh, wow. yeah, if you're going to quarantine, you're literally in the track accommodation block. So we've got to wait for that to kind of clear up and, and return to some normality before we can even go there. Um, so yeah, it's just in holding pattern, really. Everyone's back training, doing their own thing and, and targeting their own, own races. And like, I'm keen for, for an hour record at sea level just for a bit of fun. But it's just, it's one of those of like, it'll happen when it'll happen. And we've just got to wait for normality to return and then, just hit it full gas with like four weeks notice and just see what we can do. It's probably not going to be the same event that we wanted and hoped for, but you've got to try it and, and give it a go. And like I said, budget's still there. So it'd be silly not to go up and, and see what we can, uh, we can do. 
Yeah, that's awesome. So what, what events were, was everybody going to do? I know Ashton was going to do the IP and he, he would mention the hour record and then immediately quit talking about it and like, be like, yeah, yeah I'm not going to do it. And then he'd be like, Oh, I'm going to do it. So like, what events were you guys thinking you guys were going to do? He was definitely doing it. <laughs> yeah. Mate, if he's coming up, I'm forcing him on that start line. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the only thing we really cared about, I guess, was Team Pursuit. Like, we're a Team Pursuit team. We wanted yeah, yeah. to create a record. That, that, that was the plan. That was, if we came back with one, that was the one we wanted. Uh, and we prepared. We had two teams. So we had a team to ride against. You obviously have the draft benefit, where we, whether you catch them or not, second team on the track is worth a second, second and a half, two seconds on a good day. So we knew that um, a second team that was capable of riding six seconds slower than us, uh, worst case scenario, was, was the big one. So we had all that lined up. They had all their bikes. Their positions were dialed. They were training together in Derby as well. So we were all pretty set. So um, it was another. It was another team from uh, from Derby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. We bought bike B team. Um, we <laughs> we nicknamed. Oh. No one wants to be called the B team. So they were nicknamed the Wildcats. Oh yeah, the Wildcats. Yeah. That's way better than the B team. Yeah. <laughs> pink, <laughs> pink mesh base layers and the Wildcats. Cats. So yeah. Yes. Right so. On. I mean, they, they were strong. They got bronze at, uh, at the Nationals in the UK with okay. I think like a 402, 403, something like that. So they, they could have gone pretty quick up altitude. And obviously, we had Chuck Loader kit and a bit more technology out of them. And they were going pretty rapid. So, yeah, Team Suit was the big one. Uh, and then we were, the plan was to do day on, day off, day on, day off, day on for the competition. So you could race, recover a bit, race, recover a bit. Rather than, I mean, you know what a World Cup's like. If you try and do two, three days back to back by the third day, you're on your knees and you you aren't breaking a world record. Then for sure, yeah. Uh, unless you're Felipe Garner, but anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, the plan was to do that. Uh, so the second day of competition was the IP, and literally all of us were, were keen for that. Obviously, we all do IPs all the time, so it's it's one of those opportunities of like let's go all out and see what happens. But then there's a bit of discussion around strategy: who rides against who to maximise the chance of a catch. Um, because everyone still wants to ride a fast time, so everyone still wants to get a catch. But it was just, yeah, figuring that one out. Uh, and then, yeah, the the hour was the the, the icing on the cake, as it were. Um, yeah. I was keen for a go. John was keen for a go. Kyle was keen for a go. Ashton was not keen for a go, but he was definitely going to do one. Yeah, <laughs> so it was just like we're up there once. Antidoping's there. Timing's there. The track hires there. Commissaire's there. Just do it. Go for it. Yeah. See what you can do. Worst yeah. comes to worst. Yeah, you don't get it. <laughs> yeah i mean like altitude ashton would roll around and do something silly anyway you know what he's like i know he paced yeah. it horrifically but yeah yeah he's a wild man i know when we when we went to bolivia the first time when we were chatting he was like i think i could go i think i could go under four minutes and the pace that he went out in those first in that first 2k i was just like jesus christ you might go you know, 355 if you hold on to this, man, yeah. like at this point. Um, yeah. So what, what times do you think, think those boys would have done like, you know, John or you or Ashton in the, in the 4k, like you think there would have been two times under four minutes? Yes. At least? Yeah, yeah. 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 I was pretty confident four could get broken. Um, I mean, like Ashton's shown he's what 403 now at sea level. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 403 at sea level. And that was, I mean, after he took some time to just decompress, I think mentally from team USA and the sense of what was going on there, you know, he put his heart and soul into it. And I don't think anybody gives him enough credit for that. It's like, if we were going to the Olympics, it was because of his help and because of his knowledge. I mean, the dude was doing 10, 10 lap pulls. 
like, and giving us all the knowledge he could give us. And it was just a matter of, could we put it together? And so, so yeah, I, I definitely stand by that. Yeah. He's, he, he was keen. You could see that he wanted it. And like you say, he was putting his heart and soul into it. And when it doesn't come off, then yeah, you've probably got a lot of firepower to go and prove yourself individually. And I think that's what Berlin showed. So if he, if he was knocking out 403 at, at sea level, um, and at the time, I think when he did his 405 at altitude, he was knocking out four tens ish at sea level. So he's got about five seconds in his pocket. So there's every reason he'd go sub four. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure of it. And if the stars align in the case of like, okay, there's no pressure on having to go through rounds, do a second ride, riding against some outrageous guy. It's just you. You start when you want to start. You ride against who you want to ride. You do everything you want to do as you want to do it. No pressure, just perform. Then I think that could be a pretty good environment for him to do something outrageous. And yeah, obviously, John and him have been neck and neck at IPs for the past few years. So I'm pretty sure John would probably go some four. And I guess the wild card is Johnny and what he would have done because he was only a second off John in the IP at, at nationals. Johnny knocked out 413, which is yeah. pretty outrageous. Um, but from all our test data at altitude, Johnny was the most immune. He was losing like 2% or something. So he was on the cards to do something wow. pretty outrageous. Yeah. Um, I guess he's probably the most frustrated by that because he could have gone up there and like, yeah, really done something silly. So, I mean, cause one of the guys that like, I really saw crack into the British team was Johnny like early on. It seemed like, it seemed like Johnny was getting an opportunity at least from my eyes first. And it might just be because of the outrageous things that he was doing early on where he would just peel off. But what happened there with him and and riding with GB because he was like he went to Commonwealth so he actually did okay in the kilo. Um, yeah, so I mean it's all uh, an interesting situation I guess in the whole relationship. So John and Johnny have both done commie games. John obviously did well in the in the IP and Johnny in the kilo. Um, and I think historically GB have looked at our strategy of, of the peel off as. I mean, you guys love calling the peel off. We call it the ejects. Um, the ejects. Yeah. The ejects. <laughs> um, yeah, they've just looked at it disapprovingly, I guess. Whereas now they they probably go, ah, that's probably a good idea to have a bit of a sprinter in and, and utilise in that way. And um, he's done well in World Cups and kilos. But yeah, they're they're now I think they're ironing him back up again towards Tokyo and and realising that's probably what they need in their squad. They need someone like that. And he's aero. He gets it. He's established. He can do a fast IP. He can do a fast kilo. Um, actually, he's never got round in team pursuit. There's one wow. for you. Yeah, there, ever. Wow. There you go. Yeah, yeah. and so and, and he's probably one of the most pivotal parts of your team pursuit. Yeah, you know, usually. like yeah, yeah. So like, not only has he because that was a big thing for us. Like when we first started, it was always like all four have to finish. Everybody's have to finish, or or you know, then we'll just throw somebody else in who's faster and better. And, you know, me being a bigger dude and the amount of power that I had to produce to sit behind Ashton, it's like, I'm just wasting juice just, to, you know, just to sit behind Ashton. And, and especially after he went to Darbado's camp and, and became like a little ball, like it was actually funny. Um, and I'm probably gonna get so much flack from this from the guys, but in the sense of how much arguing happened where Ashton, you need to be less arrow. That was an argument that actually happened like in the infield. And it was like, Oh shit, this is about to happen. This argument is actually like that's that's like Ashton, you need to be slower. Like, can you slow down a little bit, please? So we can actually get around the track. And it's like, fuck, this is actually wow. happening. It's wild. So so it's interesting, like kind of hearing it from both sides of like, you know, oh yeah, 
he's never even finished team pursuit, but he's probably the most pivotal part of our team pursuit where it's like on our side, we're like trying to find guys who could only finish the team pursuit and do that time. I think it just takes a paradigm shift in how you think about the event because yeah. the whole fact is you need to finish with three. You don't need to finish with four. If you finish with four, that's an inefficiency. You've not maximized your potential. Yeah. Simple as that. Um, so it's just taking that approach. And then as well, I think the culture of the team that we aren't in fighting of like, well, you didn't get around that effort. It's like, well, actually it doesn't matter because that was the whole point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but because I think a lot of it comes down to how our team's structured and the dynamic of that, that we don't have a coach like you do, where you have a coach calling the shots and saying, do this, do that, do the other. And we're going, we think we should do this. We should try that. We should look at the other and just trust the data. At the end of the day, the numbers come out. You look at the analysis from the session, you say it worked or it didn't work. Um, and we're not just going to go and boot a guy off the squad because, yeah, he didn't get around an effort. When you look at the physiology, it's like, well, why would you? And, yeah, yours is a great case in point that why, you're probably quite similar to Johnny. You're pretty anaerobic. Why would yeah. you ever try and get you around the line? Why wouldn't you maximize your potential on the front? If you're sitting in the line burning up, that's energy that you're not using to make the team go faster. Yeah, um, and, and, and we, we try. It, it's funny because it's like you guys practiced it for so long. And it was almost like overnight, it was like, we'll never do that. We'll never do that. Ashton kept like pitching the idea. And eventually like, you know, we would come to go in our hiding hold. And then one day we showed up in Poland. It's like, this is what we're doing. And it was just like overnight, we're just going to try to make the team all two years of training and thought process of no, we're never going to do this to now we're doing this. We have no choice. And it's like, okay. And we, and we botched it, honestly. I mean, cause it was just like, Nobody really understood how it felt or how it should feel. Cause like mm -hmm. either, you know, the person behind me would be like, ah, is it slowing up or is it, are we just sitting at a pace? And you know what I mean? Or is it like, cause that's not how they're used to feeling, you know, sitting in line. Yeah. Line it's, four. It's, it's such an odd sensation at first. And when you ride a different strategy, it, it feels weird. It feels alien. And because it's yeah. different, you associate different with slower or harder. Yeah. Whereas, you just need to accept that you have a fixed amount of energy pretty much you've got to use. You need to maximize the team speed with that amount of energy. If that means longer turns, less changes, one guy doing a long turn and blowing off, then that, that is what it is. And you just need to practice it. And yeah, it feels weird. I mean, if you look back to Charlie, he was doing, uh, this was back in Minsk when he was riding for us, so 2018. I think he, he started man three, but I only did a lap from, from man one and then I sat on the back. So he then did five, five and a half laps sat on Johnny then a four-lap pull, then sat on while I did my turn, tipper rolled through for a half-lap, and then he did a two-lap to finish. So he's doing six-lap pull plus six laps effectively on Johnny. It was like, the guy's a hero. Yeah, that's insane. Um, but it, it, it just, you have to accept that it feels different. And like you said, is it slowing up? That's probably the biggest one. Yeah. You've got to make sure you don't slow. And that's Johnny's biggest, I guess, stressor that he doesn't park it. Because if you park it, the rest of the squad's done for. Yeah, um, and you, you, your strategy's wasted effectively. So it's you pull off probably before you actually really blow up because you don't want to ever slow down. Yeah, it's a hard thing to feel out too. Like when you're when you're loading up like that and you're still trying to put out speed, it's actually shocking how much more speed that you're putting out and you don't even realize. Or it's shocking how much not speed you're putting out and you don't even realize. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah, well, Kyle struggled with it a bit. We we put him in for the rounds in Glasgow, and he yeah, he just paced it pretty poorly. Um, yeah. And 
yeah, I guess for him it's frustrating only for all of us to not make it through to the final in your home World Cup, and we had the absolute potential to to get a medal there. Yeah, um, yeah, it was pretty disappointing. It's, it's heartbreaking, really. It's probably one of my biggest frustrations of the season to not make that final. Um, but yeah, it was just pacing, execution on that. He didn't have enough experience, didn't know what his legs should feel like at the end of lap one, lap two, lap three. And if you know that sensation, then you can adapt your, your pacing towards it. But if you're just going out and going, right, five laps, go. It's, yeah. it's not easy. Yeah, not at all. And I mean, because that was the thing too, is like we went from like, hey, you need to do five laps to hey, like this is what we're going to do. We're going to do like four to four and a half to five, like figure that out whatever you can do and every track's different every sensation's different you know every feeling's different and so trying to figure out that was interesting but hey i don't want to hold you up too long um i do want to get one more thing though we kind of heard about you know you're working a little bit with denmark you're trying to put this team together i feel like you're a man that's just like a jack of all trades like you're wearing a hat and everything like you're the business guy while also the party due to the team um what's your athletic ambitions now with the fact, okay, now we know that the t- trade teams are back um, and, you know, you still have an opportunity at these world records. Like, where's your athletic, you know, side and ambitions lie? Good question. I, I think because of the COVID situation, I've not thought massively far ahead. I've just thought, how can I maximize my time in lockdown? And I've done quite a bit around making myself a better time trialist because, until last week, I didn't think trade teams were a thing again. So I was just like, right, I'm going on the road. I want to do individual time trials, like Chrono Destinations, the Conti Champs, World Champs, team time trials, and then have a go at the hour record, all that kind of stuff. I was like, we'll go full gas for that, right? I've never had the opportunity to put everything, my heart and soul, into being selfish because I've always had to, well, wanted to, obviously, but I've always felt that to support the team, you've got to focus on everybody's performance and how they're yeah. dealing with it and their equipment and all the all the fun side of dealing with like sponsorship and logistics and all that kind of stuff. Whereas I can shelve all that and just be selfish for once and see, see how I can do it individually. Uh, so that was, that was my ambition. But I think with trade teams being allowed back, I'd be keen to have a go at some individual stuff at world cups because we've only ever done the team pursuit. And if we don't have a strong squad together to live and train as you, as you need to, and you, you know, full well, that if you don't commit to a team pursuit, you're not going to win. Simple as that. Sure. You've got to have four, four guys who put their heart and soul into it. So I, I can't see that happening. So, but I'm pretty keen to see what we could do, maybe like at IPs or kilos or bunch racing, and yeah, mix it up a little bit. Um, but we'll just see what the lay of the land is when the UCI come back with. Well, this is the calendar and this is the deadline and all that kind of stuff. And maybe yeah, skip a season, come back to it in a while, and maybe have a bit of bit of time on the road. See what we can do there, and yeah, somehow run Bolivia in the middle and break the world <laughs> records. Yeah. So there's, there's always ambitions, but yeah, I think just for now, be a bit more selfish. No, well, it, it is super inspiring to see because I don't, I don't think people really recognize how much not only you've put into this team, but a lot of other things. Like, um, and you've been super selfless to get a lot of these things off the ground. So, uh, like, I mean, even bringing Ashton over, like that, that was a huge help to even us. So it's super cool to kind of get that feedback and see that and chat about that. But other than that, um, just want to thank you for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And guys, if you haven't already, I will put a link down to all those who bought bike documentaries down in the description below and uh, be sure to check that out. But thanks again, Dan. I appreciate it, man. Cool. Thank you for having me. Enjoyed it. It's awesome. Cheers.